Pitch Deck Asia. Your story, your words. We're live. This is Pitch Deck Asia in the Singapore studio. My name's Graham Brown, joined by both representatives of Urbis Ventures, Sengal and Zheng Wei. Welcome to the studio. Familiar faces as well. Great for you to be here. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for thanks. inviting us. Yeah, so I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. We're not just talking about your startup. You are a startup helping startups, but also we're diving a little bit into Mongolia and a lot of emerging markets around Asia. So it's an exciting topic. We're really at the beginning of a new chapter in the startup ecosystems of Asia as well. Zhengwei, you're from Singapore yep. originally. You're from Mongolia. Correct. So just so we know you're legit from <laughs> Mongolia, let's put a shout out to the <laughs> listeners in Mongolian, your your local language or however you would want to address your fans out there. Just say hi and thanks to everybody, just so we know you're the real deal. All right, I'll take that as it is. So uh, you have people back home watching in Mongolia, maybe. Maybe there are people watching live, so... Yeah, of course. Yeah, we'll just say hi to everybody out there. Thanks for joining us in. If you're watching this uh, podcast with these two chaps, please hit the like button. Help them boost <laughs> this story out to the wider public on YouTube. Where do we start? Let's talk about Urbis Ventures, your gig, your startup itself. Um, maybe you can describe to us a little bit about what you are in, you know, put the product on the table, so to speak, and then we'll jump into the pitch deck and look at where you're coming from. So who wants to kick off with a, a definition of Urbis Ventures? Maybe Sengal, you're first. Of course. So uh, in three words, it's actually startup support infrastructure. So basically uh, in every city, there are infrastructure, which basically helps all these stakeholders to reach certain, like you know, point one to point two. So basically we are that infrastructure for startups. Yeah. Basically reaching certain point, Either it's uh, fixing the company legally or fixing the financials or even just fundraising. We just help them to reach that point. Yeah. And particularly emerging market startups. Emerging markets. Correct. So um, we'll dive into this, that we'll have a look at what the problem is. I'm curious to know before we get started, your backgrounds. How would you describe yourself? Are you finance people, startup people, engineers, government people, accelerators, VCs? Where, where do you come from? So anyway, what about yourself? What's your background? Uh, I started in the finance area. So myself is a chartered accountant. So I first started in investment banking at yeah. BNP Paribas. But then I got really bored. And then from there, just startup, 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 startup. A startup has a on the startup team or advising startups or fundraising? First, I joined a startup. That's yeah. how I started. Then I joined a second startup. Then I started founding my own. Right. So that's, that's where I am. So you're legit. It's not like you're somebody <laughs> advising startups who's never done it himself. You're an I accountant so. who started a business right. and you've been successful in that. So you understand the pain of so startup I, founders I think, a little bit. I think in the startup, startup industry, right, you sort of split it into zero to one one to 10 and 10 to 100. Yeah. So I was quite fortunate to be in all three of them before. So zero to one, I kind of understand the pain, how it gets started from scratch. And then one to 10, your first growth, that's what I have before as well. And then 10 to 100, yeah. all the way to the exit. So Excellent. 
that's the kind of person you want on your team. <laughs> How about yourself, Sengo? What background do you come from? So I'm a lawyer. Uh, basically, uh, before this venture, uh, last nine years, I've been uh, working in Singapore as a finance lawyer. Yeah. So um, name Hogan Lawless and Jones Day. And then I actually new to the startup world. I'm just like, you know, getting like learning the ropes now. Great. Um, talking with startups, understanding their pain, what's happening. Um, during my lawyer years, uh, I helped cover up startups more of a pro bono basis because big law firms, they basically don't accept startups yeah. because they are contagion client. They like, you know, basically they afraid they don't pay, just go, go away. Right. So that's the reason, um, uh, unfortunately during my nine years in law firm, I, I couldn't really help, uh, startups, but I did it like, you know, pro bono basis, um, and that is the actual reason I, I moved to the startup world. Yeah, you got infected. <laughs> you yeah. can say that. It's good though. I mean, in terms of this conversation, how you came together as a team as well, how did that start? Where did you meet and who pitched <laughs> you, who the idea? So actually that would be me. Uh, so uh, Jung Wei and I met uh, nine months ago. And then where I actually was representing, um, uh, that time we were called Gravity Lab. Hmm. And then this was, we started as a blockchain um, project. And then um, Jing Wei at a company um, called Sato, they do uh, um, blockchain related uh, work. And then uh, we actually met uh, at PwC office and then we had a good chat. And then uh, after like that meeting, we worked together about three months. And then we we liked like Jung Wei's team and then like, you know, hopefully they, they did. And then <laughs> maybe that's the reason he's here. And then we actually um, built the team uh, about six months ago, and then we're doing this now. Great. So are you the two co-founders of Abyss? How does that no, work? No, actually, uh, the main three founders are Mongolian. Okay. Um, they're based in uh, Mongolia. Probably they, they're seeing us now. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to them. Thank you, everybody, for making this happen. So you're representing Urbis here. So um, let's talk about what you do. So you've we, we've sort of started talking about the subject, what the problem is. So if I can jump into the pitch deck as well, maybe we can have a look at that first. You've got it here. I won't talk about all the slides on the pitch deck, but if we can, you've got the, the problem on slide three, and this is really an emerging market problem, right? There are networks, infrastructures, ecosystems out there supporting startups all over the world, yet they kind of make sense when you have the density of startups when you have, like here in Singapore, a lot of startups in a, in a very small space. You know, it's 20 minutes, one side of the, the island to the other, right? You've got 6 million people, 6,000 startups maybe. So you can e easily service that with some kind of infrastructure and accelerator. Yet when we go into emerging markets, it's a different story altogether. So maybe you can start by telling us what's on this slide. And, and bear in mind, some people aren't watching this, they're listening to this as well on the podcast. So tell us what the problem is with startups in emerging markets. Go sure. I think uh, this is a two-sided problem. So on the first side uh, is the investment side. So as an investor, basically, if you want to invest in emerging markets, today there's so much friction. Firstly, a lack of knowledge. Mm. I mean, come on, who can invest in a Mongolia startup today? Yeah. Right? You don't know their language. You don't know the culture. You don't know their demographics. You basically don't know what's happening. Correct? And then 
it's really difficult for you as an investor to build that kind of rapport with the founders as well, right? You don't speak their language. You you don't you don't kind of understand their growth, the history of the country, what made them, what brought them to this stage. It's very difficult. So that's one side. On the other side, which is the ones that we are more interested to help, is actually the startups. Like you said, right, Graham? In Singapore, there's so many startups. It made so much sense for so many people to come and help them. There's so much, so many pro- service providers today helping the Singaporean startups. Mm. But for example, in Mongolia, there are 400 over startups. And as of today and before we existed, there are no accelerator, no incubator, no VCs that specialize in helping them. Mm. So these guys are out there grinding day and night. They're really smart people, very, very talented, but they don't have the support. Yeah. So so that's where we come from. So it's really both sides, isn't it? You right. you have startups who don't have the support and you have investors who A, don't know how to find quality deal flow right. and don't have access to those startups as well. That's right. Traditionally, this would be where an accelerator, maybe even a fund comes in and puts that together. Why, why can't we do that in, a, in emerging market? Why can't we go in, build an accelerator or build a fund and solve that problem? So uh, on that, right, um, actually, um, maybe I'll, I'll tell you a story. Um, last week, uh, two weeks ago, we were in Hong Kong. Uh, we met uh, one of these biggest accelerators, uh, Rep. And then he was saying uh, he did an um, investment in Pakistan where actually bin Osama bin Laden was found. And then he didn't know, actually he thought it's Pakistani uh, startup. And then he thought it's based in Hong Kong or Singapore, right? And then he actually like, you know, wanted to talk with them. And then apparently they're based in, in that city. Hmm. And then he was too afraid to, to fly to that city because it is just like, you know, security risk, right? And then uh, he sent his uh, associate there so much cost. So basically hotel and then car and then bodyguard. Basically, like, you know, just to find one startup, spending that much money is, is mm. a bit difficult for big accelerators and big VCs. Because non-investment activities is like, you know, for VCs is cross. Unless like, you know, they, they, they find like, you know, golden opportunity there, right? And then for these big VCs, um, because they have very good deal flow, they don't really see these emerging markets mm. at the moment until like, you know, someone comes out of that, those countries and then they are like, you know, strong enough to just go into their portfolio. It's okay. So we have a case, um, uh, unglobal, which is, uh, one of the, the first like success story from Mongolia. Uh, they were part of Techstars program, uh, last year. So this is the case where they come out of Mongolia and then they actually part of the big accelerator program and mm. big VC investment, right? And then um, for those people just to go into those countries is almost impossible at the moment. Uh, for the reason that they have also a reputational risk to think about. They go there and then if it fails, it's a bit like a you know, big hit for, for their portfolio and yeah. everything, right? So um, that's where we come in. We actually uh, go to a country emerging market, and then we actually source deals. We make due diligence, and then we actually find those like good startups, because like they're like quite rough, right? We help them like you know, shape them, and then like you know, polish them, and then to be ready for those institutional investor mm. next round. So it's just like helping that startup to be ready for more institutional investor ready. 
Yeah. So you're sourcing talent in these markets and also refining them as well to help them get to the stage that makes sense for an investor. Exactly. So you're going into these markets. We'll have a look at the solution in a minute. What markets are you looking at at the moment? Just to give people a flavor. Obviously, you mentioned Mongolia as one. Um, Bangladesh, Cambodia, Myanmar, Laos, Vietnam. What's the, the the sort of the mandate with all those markets? Why those markets? Is it just geographical focus, or is it something about these markets that connects them all together? All these countries, like one common thing is is、um, high high risk, because、mm. at this stage they're not success story from these、uh, countries yet. There's no unicorn. So, like success, the world itself、uh, at this stage venture capital market, everyone thinks about exit, right? How many exits were there?、Uh, were there like you know、uh, hundreds of million dollar world company or were, were there any unicorns?、Uh, at this stage, from these countries, except for Vietnam, I think、um, there weren't any any that success story.、Mm. A lot of companies、uh, with hundreds of millions of dollar、uh, dollar worth, like value, but value without liquidity and exit, it actually does not mean anything. Yeah. So. That one actually is, is like you know the definition of those emerging markets at this stage for us. So you go into those markets rather than let's say, for example, Thailand, because your value adds probably less realised there because it's a much more developed, less risk. There's more you know track record yeah,、exactly. of unicorns and so, so you're going in at a very sort of early stage of the market where it doesn't have all that. Yeah, exactly that. So basically. Ecosystem. If we see ecosystem, we can see like you no know, different things. There are stakeholders, mentors, professional consultants, and then startup founders, and then also also the actual investors, the most like you no know, important part. And in all these countries, one thing that is lacking is the culture. What I mean by culture is investors understanding what、mm. type of investment this is. You invest hundred thousand dollars, and then you don't expect within three years it would become six hundred thousand dollars. So that is not how it works. But we can see easily that there are angel investors who's actually trying to help these startups sitting there around, and but not very helping them. Yeah, like you know, give give the money and then just expect the result. So it's a bit difficult for startups. You know, to go the region and then find those mentors, build the network without that help. So,、mm. ecosystem itself is not well functioning, right? So, we actually building ecosystem which is online, and then you can say virtual ecosystem, where startup can get access to those like you know opportunities or like you know privileges that only you know、uh, startups from more mature ecosystem actually has access to. Singapore, Thailand, Indonesia, Japan,、hmm. uh, Korea. Those are the the ecosystems at this stage are、uh, uh, functioning properly. And then the reason is basically there are a lot of new startups coming, and VCs are targeting those markets at the moment. Just like going there and then going full on. So, is it reasonable to assume, for example, you have a Singapore angel investor? Who maybe has some exit experience, who would go virtually maybe to Mongolia through your ecosystem and invest in a Mongolian startup and mentor them, or is it very much local to local market? 
like Mongolian investors investing in Mongolian startups, as it, an example? It would be the first. Uh, basically, this would be like, you know, uh, one of the reasons this is online is, is we want to uh, eradicate the geographical uh, limitations. Yeah. So everyone in the in the startup world, in, including investors, they're looking for good startups. They're like hungry for it. There's money, there's talent waiting, and then everything's there. But it's just finding those startups is a bit difficult. Mm. Because uh, all startups, they believe they are that good startup, right? But issue is how you show to these people that you are a good startup, you're serious, you're not uh, making any bad things. Mm. Because startup also need to see uh, from investors' perspective where they have financial risk, at the same time they have reputational risk. If, if an investor invests in a startup, they don't know about, and then that startup does something like, let's say, because I'm a lawyer, illegal. Mm. Mm. Imagine that reputational risk for that investor. Yeah, and it's just the time, isn't it, that will take. Exactly. Especially if it's over there. You'll get sucked into a situation you don't want to be in and take a long time to get out of it. Okay, let's have a look at the solution itself and we'll dive in to how this actually works. And you've got a few case studies as well in this. So mm. we jump back into the pitch deck and the, the, the solution sort of split over a couple of slides. You've got the pilot market Mongolia, and then also later on, you've got your platform, Explorer and Oasis. Can you start by sharing some of the numbers on Mongolia, the market opportunities here, so we know what market we're dealing with as well. So maybe you can talk through some of the numbers here, because if I'm not watching it, I might right. have to hear this. So what have you got on here, the size of the Mongolian market and what's going on? So maybe I can start and Tingle has some more numbers that he can add, right? So one of the most interesting interesting thing I found in Mongolia is the efficiency in capital deployment. I mean, I have ran startups in Singapore, right? So I know how expensive it can get in Singapore. Mm. So compared to Mongolia, right? Singapore is eight times more expensive. To deploy capital. To deploy capital. Right. So for example, hiring an engineer, hiring a marketing manager, etc., etc. But to me, Technology is kind of cross-border, right? If you build an application in Mongolia and you build an application in Singapore, they actually have not much of a difference, right? So from there, it just shows how we can kind of arbitrage the kind of cheap mm. capital in Mongolia to help get startups started. Yeah. So that's one. So if we invest in Mongolia, you kind of have eight times the runway, so to say. And then the other one that I'm interested in is that um, in a small population of 3 million people, and about half of them in the capital, there are actually 400 over startups there. And then these 400 over startups, they only started about two to three years back. So if you, if you do the trajectory, mm. and then you look at the number of talents that are coming out from, you know, in the past they used to do outsourcing for foreign companies in the West or other parts of Asia, right? They are now saying, hey, I'm not going to help someone build their dream. I'm going to build my own dream. So 400 over startups, maybe next year 500, no, the next year 1,000, I don't know. Mm. But uh, this is something really interesting. And I think there's some demographics, um, demographic numbers that um, Zingle can share. So uh, as Jiang Wei mentioned, uh, in Mongolia, uh, we have about 3 million people as a total population. And then if you see mobile subscription, it's about 4 million. And then if you see uh, people with 
actually account and financial institutions. It's about 93% of the population. And then if you see uh, credit card holders, it's 3%. Hmm. So you can see there's a lot of opportunity hmm. there for fintech companies uh, and then for also e-commerce companies. And then it is just very excellent test market. So the reason is also regulation-wise. The Mongolia is this um, developing country. The government is, is quite liberal on, on um, you know, um, making regulation easier on, on startups. And then fintech, like unglobal story, uh, when they started 2016, there, there was no fintech regulation. Mm. And then even now there's no sandbox regulation at the moment, but that is under preparation. Uh, that is what I heard. Um, and then it is just for startups to start there. It's, it's just amazing. The consumer read readiness is, is about 84%. So the people are very uh, adaptive to new, new technology. So there's a lot of opportunity there. And then for startups just to go there and then do the business, even they're just um, piloting their project, it's something go to go there. Okay. You actually have a case study in here, so maybe we can have a look at that. We jump back into the pitch deck. Um, so this is a, and you mentioned some of this already. So tell us a little bit about what is on this slide here, a Mongolian success story, a self-polished diamond. You've brought up Ant Global already. So what is this about? Tell us what we need to know, because not many people know a lot about Mongolia, especially in the startup scene, and you're sort of bringing it to people's consciousness now, which is great. We're not familiar with the company names either. Maybe if somebody's in fintech, they might know. So tell us what is on this slide and what we need to know. So Unglobal is, uh, is the first like fintech company come out of uh, Mongolia. They were actually part of Techstars program last year. Yeah. And then they have uh, investment from Rakuten as well as uh, uh, Techstars. And then this company is, is a truly amazing company. So the founders are uh, uh, Bolbata and, and uh, Anar, who are actually our founders, mm -hmm. Airbus Ventures. And then these guys in 2016, uh, Bolbata was uh, accountant at PwC, and Anar uh, was just finished mm -hmm. Dakar rally uh, with motorcycle. He's uh, like an you know, amazing guy. And then they actually decided to start this company in 2016. And then within a year, they deployed um, like hundred of thousand loan. And then in addition, 2017, they raised from Mongolia the first, uh, the foreign uh, investment, the equity investment. And then basically that gave a lot of uh, startups hope that the Mongolian startup can go regional. And then now they, this company, uh, the, the valuation is about uh, $65 million. And then they started in 2016. Mm. And then with the truly amazing thing about these companies, their team is about 200 people and about 20% uh, is, is all mathematicians. And then they, their main amazing thing is AI-powered credit scoring system. So basically tech-wise, they're good. Management-wise, they're good. And then they just started to enter Philippines market. They just started the, the test market there. Mm. So this makes complete sense in markets where you don't have those existing credit histories. You know, you don't have that, the experience and these kind of companies out there. You can go in, like you say, 
X percent of people have bank accounts, but only three percent have was it credit cards. credit cards, right? So you've got a big gap there, right? So it makes sense for these kind of companies to thrive there, right? right? Okay, so you have this <clears throat> success story. You, I'm sure you have a lot of Mongolians who want to be the next and global, right? Exactly. They must be everywhere in the startup ecosystem of Mongolia. What happens now? You've got to put together this platform to help all those startup founders achieve their dreams. So let's have a look at the, the product itself and what you're building back into the platform if we can. And um, I'll, I'll jump forward to the, the business model itself. So help us understand what this is. I know you're saying you're building the infrastructure, but that could be anything, right? That could be an event. It could be a co-working space. How do you describe this? What is it that you're building in the sense that what's the physical manifestation of this? Do you want to explain? Uh, sure. Okay. So I think some of the things uh, we have already covered just now. So uh, we have two parts to the business, you know, business model. The first one is what we call the Airbus Explorer. So Airbus Explorer, um, like the name suggests, right? It's supposed to explore, supposed to go into the, the areas that you don't know about in terms of investors. And then we find the gems for you. So that's an explorer. And the way we can do it is because like the end global success story, we kind of found the secret sauce we know exactly how to enter the market in Mongolia, how to position ourselves, um, how to target the consumers even. Um, so, so that's where we translate all the learning points over the past three years from our founders from Anglobal into determining what could potentially be the secret sauce for the next startup. So that's the Explorer. And for Explorer, we usually work with asset managers, with fund managers, or even venture capitals where we are part of the decision-making. So they use us, they use our know-how. Um, basically, it's a digital tool. So they use our know-how and then they make decision. So that's Explorer. Mm. But then on the other hand, um, you, you can find a good gem in a cave, right? But then you realize that it's an unpolished gem. So an unpolished gem, like, like, like a diamond, you can't sell for much, right? So the other side of the story is the Urbis Oasis where after we found a gem, we actually start to polish them. So Airbus Oasis is, uh, for lack of a better word, a digital accelerator. So some call it a venture builder, some call it a venture studio. And the whole purpose and idea of it is to not just put money. You know, capital is um, today kind of cheap, so it's not just capital, but we really go hands down. Um, we talk to the founders face to face, through through webinars sometimes, uh, where our mentors are sitting globally. We find out what is wrong with them, and then we help fix them. So um, maybe I can use a story which is a little bit better to explain. Right, one of our early incubator company is um, a co-working space, so it's the biggest co-working space in Mongolia. They have presence in Singapore, they have presence in recently Malaysia and going to have in Thailand. What happened is that um, these executives are really good at running the co-working space. They are good at operations, good at finding startups, good at creating a whole community. But what they were lacking um, is more on the legal and the finance side. Hmm. So for this um, company, we went in, we actually helped them to clean up their corporate structure you know, how to make sure the shareholdings, the corporate governance is correct. And then we do valuation studies. 
So based in Singapore, you know, I have friends in different co-working space, the large one. We start to understand the matrix that they look at the co-working spaces, right? So we start with the valuation. We start to kind of clean up their finances and make sure that um, they are now positioned as a good acquisition target, mm. for example, right? So these are the kind of things that we help in the Urbis Oasis. So How is that different from a traditional accelerator in the sense that you, I know in one of your slides, you talk about tech stars and you, you have a comparison. I mean, this is one of the premium accelerators in the world, obviously well-known brand. They have a great network. What do you do differently and what are you trying to do differently? So uh, on that, right, um, of course, we, we cannot compete with tech stars, Y Combinator, legal, uh, 500 startups, all this, like, you no, know, we cannot compete. And then all these, uh, actuators or like, you know, uh, VCs, they, they target developing markets. And then they have different business model than what we are doing. And then one thing we believe at Irbis Ventures is one size does not fit all. So all these startups and then because our uh, mainly uh, like target startups are early stage, the issues are different because of their founders. So founders could be lawyers, founders could be engineers, uh, founders could be like you know, financial guys. And then depending on their background, they lack on different things. Mm. And then because they lack on different things, sometimes their end product is somewhat different what they expected or they have just issues they don't have time to fix. So most of these startups, they start, you know, concentrating on the product or their services. And then they have, don't have time or manpower to do their legal or financials, like correctly. But one issue that will come up in the future is once institutional investors comes in. So imagine Texas, mm -hmm. the institutional, they have, that uh, you know, financial risk, uh, reputational risk they think about to invest in a startup. And then of course they do very good due diligence and then basically they dig out the company, right? And then once they actually see like you know, a lot of issues, sometimes um, they just like go away because it's just too much risk and too much time to fix this company. Uh, but if the, the, if the, the actual startup product or technology is amazing enough. They come in and they actually help fixing it. So what we actually come out is, if you have a startup and then if you believe you're going to region and if you go global, you should start like you know com fixing company from the start mm. because fixing your issues in the future or fixing it like you know from the start, actually fixing it in the future is, is much more like, costly for you and then it would be no uh, easy job. It's it's super painful. Um, that I can say because like, you know, I was a lawyer. I did a lot of due diligence on companies. Even big corporations, they have issues that they've like, you know, have a hard time fixing it because once it's, it's there, it's very difficult to fix it. So uh, just getting an understanding of how you operate and particularly in these markets as well, it sounds like a lot of your value add is fixing companies, early startups, especially in these emerging markets, which are probably quite raw, quite, quite rough, because they, you know, like you say, when you talked about the Mongolian startup scene, it's three years old, right? That's probably the oldest startup there is three years. And you don't have that sort of handing down 
of knowledge so much, right? So a lot of the people there probably are very raw, very rough in their business models. Maybe they don't understand things like minimum viable product. And these are all new ideas, right? So you're adding a lot of value just by getting people in shape, right? Whereas maybe some of the more institutional money may be focused more on the less risky stuff, the stuff that looks like what they're expecting. You're going in there and saying, okay, I see a lot of opportunity here, but it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. We need to go in and we need to help fix what's broken. That must require a lot of patience in in working with these startups, right? Yeah, so uh, at this stage, like we haven't actually seen inside of um, so many startups in Mongolia. Uh, Like there could be like, you know, good startups who has like very good financials and and everything. And then uh, recent, like, you know, two years, a lot of new startups raising from funds from angel investors in Mongolia, Hong Kong, Singapore, Japan. Basically, they're raising funds. They can do it now because they can pitch. They can actually mm. talk about their vision and their technology is amazing. And, and all these startups are doing well. But the issue is whether their financial terms with the investors are good. Yeah. Uh, because you can agree with, with investor like you know, on day one, mm. whatever you think that is good for you. Mm. But the issue is if if things go bad or if things go too good, mm-hmm. uh, th- then the problem starts, right? The investor actually has too much rights or they have like, you know, basically uh, just financial help and then no like other help. So that signing even agreement with investors is very crucial because everyone now like, you know, believes that even you get like, you know, X amount from investor, that's good. Mm. But uh, finding good investor, yeah. like, you know, mm. good investor is very important. Yeah, that's it. Good investors and mm. bad investors, unsophisticated investors as well, especially in emerging markets, because both sides need to be educating. How do you help with that? For example, if I was a startup and I was talking to an investor, do you help me in a sense? Like, do you help me understand what a term sheet is, how it should look? What, a, uh, what I should le- be looking for in an investor? You know, do I, I should be doing due diligence on an investor, but what do I look for? So right? uh, that's a very interesting question, right? So uh, basically, this is basically a legal question. Uh, what happens is most of the time, there are like, you know, two people, right? Startup, founder, and then an angel investor. And then both of them want certain things to be in their way. But the thing is, because who has a lawyer, they prepare the term sheet. Yeah. And then sometimes this is just one-sided. And then one-sided agreements usually has way bad effects. Even for investor, he believes, I signed this amazing agreement with, with this startup and then in the future, you know, I'll, I'll be golden. But the thing is, that document will be reviewed by the next investor. Yeah. And then when they see that document, they never invest because the first guy has too much rights. I won't go in. So that startup is gone, right? Because basically they would be having like yeah. no fundraising And he issues. won't exit as well. Yeah. So. And then startup side, sometimes they want like a very good agreement with investor and everything. Mm. So the key is balanced. So balanced agreement where transparency is there and then good relationship is there. That's yeah. all about like a you know, startup term sheet. Absolutely. So we actually help, uh, you know, preparing and negotiating those, those term sheet. Yeah. And then, Actually, that is the good starting point for startups as well, to mm. understand 
how this you know uh, capital structure works with and then investor relations work. Yeah, because nobody's teaching that stuff, right? And you need years of experience in the startup ecosystem to understand it and a lot of mistakes, right? So that's the modeling tool, right? So basically yeah. you just learn in a hard way. Yeah. Uh, and then like we at Airbus Ventures, we don't believe like, you know, learning hard way is the best way. Of course, it's it's like you, you learn it like better than like, you know, you like somebody listen, like tells you. But the thing is, um, Everyone at this like you know stage, they don't have much time to actually yeah. make like you know wrong thing and then learn. Yeah, well, it. people have made mm. the mistakes, and therefore you don't have to repeat them, right? You can share the lessons learned for other people. Exactly. Right? Okay, um, let's have a look at the journey of where you have come from a little bit with Urbis, and also where you go from here. So, I'll flip forward on the pitch deck if I can. To and um, we'll come to the team in a minute. Um, where you are in terms of your fundraising as well, and also your stages. So help me understand, before we jump back into the, the fundraising, where you've come from until now. So you closed the seed round in January 2019, this year. And since then, you have put all this together. You started the process. Are you live at the moment? Do you have people able to apply and join? Is that open at the moment? Where are you with your product side? So uh, thanks to our seed investors, uh, everyone in Mongolia, thanks uh, so much uh, for trusting us. Uh, and then actually with $1 million uh, raised uh, by January 2019, we actually did a couple of things. Uh, so we basically conceptualized this um, uh, project mm -hmm. and then we built the core team. And now we have about 25 full-time uh, people, 17 in Mongolia and then 8 in Singapore. And then we have a mentor network of about 20 uh, uh, mentors uh, based in Hong Kong, Singapore, Thailand, uh, Malaysia, as well as uh, Switzerland. Uh, and then basically, we reached the point where we actually, like, you know, start helping startups. So, Jungwei mentioned we, uh, until today, we helped two startups. And then uh, now we actually are uh, doing a competition among startups. Mm -hmm. And then where we're going to find uh, five uh, amazing startups and then actually work with them hands-on approach. Basically help them to be, the, you know, uh, be successful in their next like, you know, stage. Okay. So that's happening now. Was that next? The competition? Are you with that? Uh, this competition. So do you want to talk about... The application is happening now. So okay, so it's open, yeah. We've been inviting startups to to participate in a competition starting in July 1st. Yeah. So the competition is going to... Application is going to end on 1st of August. So now we're just accepting startups. And then we will review the startups from 1st of August to the mid of August. So that's going to be reviewed by all the partners that we have and all the mentors that we have. And then we will invite the startup to join us. Right for the next month on pitch tech building. Yeah. So we teach them how to position yourself. You know, these are things that you have to clean up, blah, 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 blah. And then the most exciting part, in the middle of September, we will invite these five startups to Gobi Desert. Yeah. So in the middle of the most exotic, the most remote desert in the world, in the middle of it, we will hold a pitch contest. Will it be like in a, a yurt or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is pretty radical. 
so yeah, we we invite um, basically um, high net worth individuals from yeah. Mongolia. So these are the guys who are very seasoned in terms of their business sense and everything else. And then we're gonna gonna invite um, investors like venture capitals and big ones from Southeast Asia, from Asia, all the way to Gobi Desert. And these guys collectively will be the judge for the competition. Mm. So then they will then vote um, among the top five who's going to be the winner. And of course, there's a cash prize, right? How is it going to be in the Gobi Desert running a pitch competition? <laughs> so it's going to be amazing. It's going to be crazy. Because <laughs> one, um, one thing that we found out in the Gobi Desert... Um, Have you been? I haven't. Yeah. But the thing is that there's no internet there. Right. That's what I'm <laughs> thinking. <laughs> And a shame to say, actually, I'm Mongolian, but I've never been there as well. Oh, you've never been there? Yeah. You know what you're getting into? I don't know. <laughs> but it's amazing. So you're going to run a pitch competition. We don't need the internet to do a pitch competition, do you? You just need electricity, a generator, and that'd be pretty raw. That's right. That's right. That's is, right. Are, are you doing that to, I mean, I know it's interesting, it's exciting, and it's going to be radical, and it's something to talk about. Yeah. Do you think you're going to attract a certain type of startup because of that? Because I imagine some people might get scared off by that, but that might actually be a good thing, right? So uh, one interesting thing is it's basically um, we bring in 30 uh, VCs, corporations, and then as well as uh, angel investors, yeah. uh, high net worth individuals, right? And then we uh, actually give them two days in Gobi where they can actually also uh, experience quite exotic experience like mm. you know in Gobi. And then basically for startups, just to be in front of these 30 investors is, is golden opportunity. Because startups, like, you know, we all busy and then like we all talk, think about, you know, what we do uh, with our like, you know, next strategy and, and everything. Mm. So um, startups are, are busy and then also these investors are busy. So we just uh, give them opportunity to relax uh, two days and then at the end of, of, of these two days, actually they do pitch contest and then like, you know, everybody's happy yeah. and then they connect and then basically we'll be locking uh, like 30 people in It's like Mongolia. an island, isn't it? It's an exactly. island. Two days and then these startups would have like, you know, life of like, you know, basically it's rare opportunity for them to connect with these people. Yeah. Interesting. It's going to make a, a, a very interesting documentary as well. I think in terms of capturing <laughs> that, that journey and seeing who sort of really does well in that environment. How do you get paid out of that? Are you taking a carry on the deals? Are you charging the investors? Are you charging the startups? So uh, for top, top five uh, startups, we're going to invest $20,000. And then uh, we won't get uh, basically nominal value uh, out of it. We basically negotiate with the startup and then depending on the current valuation, we get uh, X percentage. And then uh, actually if the startup is, is amazing enough, we follow on uh, with our uh, further funding. And then uh, from those investment net network, there could be also uh, investment, further investments. And then uh, basically uh, at the finals of, of this competition, uh, all these five startups are um, competing for twenty thousand dollars cash prize, where we won't won't get anything. Mm. So it is it is a pure reward. Mm. So you're operating as a fund in this sense that you're looking for deals. And you said you're going to invest money. Yeah. So that that would be proprietary investment. Yeah. So we don't have actually uh, investment arm, which is actually the structured as a fund. Yeah. Uh, we actually uh, investing from our cash cash okay. balance. 
So how are you making money on on that? What so a uh, certain percentage we would get, and then we actually help these startups, like you know, for example, get the further fundraising, and then also like you know, go to the next region yeah. or next market, and then their valuation goes up, mm. and then we our like you know share in that startup, the price would increase, and then hopefully like you know within next five, six, or like you know even ten years. Uh, if there's exit, we we make money out of it. So I, it's, you're not charging fees. In that? No, no. Okay, and not so, charging equity in lieu of fees. Are you? Because I know that's so an accelerator will charge. It depends on the startup, actually. Yeah. Um, if it's early stage startup where we we actually help them, like you know, to like you know structure their company and and everything, uh, we don't charge for that. If yeah. we actually invested in a startup, uh, but. There could be companies that are willing to get our like you know services, and for those companies, we can actually talk about uh, like you know mode of payment, right? Mm. Whether they want to pay through shares, uh, whether they want to get like you know uh, cash payment, it actually totally up to the startups. Okay, so there's options. Yeah. All right, um, let's have a look at your own fundraising here, and this is towards the end of the the deck. Just so I understand, it's be clear because is this fundraising for a fund? Because if it is, we can't talk about it on air because it has to be licensed, right? So just so we can clear, what is this fundraising for? This is fundraising for the company or for the fund itself? So maybe we can skip it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But just so yeah, people understand what you're building. So obviously, in terms of fundraising for funds, you can't appeal for LPs or like partners on there. So I think you you're here to talk about your project, right? Which is absolutely yeah. fine. So, um, what kind of partners are you looking for in building this? Because I think this is really important. You are across many emerging markets. You know, you can't do all of this alone. Who do you want to come in to help you? Build this thing. Are you looking for other accelerators? Are you looking for other funds? Are you looking for ecosystem builders? At this stage, what are the conversations you want to have? So we we are very open to work with anyone, um, mainly accelerators, uh, VCs, uh, where they want to have like diversified portfolio in their actual own portfolio. Right? Mm -hmm. So basically, uh, for these um, uh, clients, we can say. Um, we actually find them good startups and then we actually make due diligence on these startups and then we actually polish them, help them to fix their company. And then when they come in, they would be ready for your accelerator. Mm. Because the issue is um, if even this startup is good and then like, you know, they speak English like fluently, the issue with the current model is they just assume all startups joining like you know, new batch of this accelerator or VC round, um, they believe everyone is in the same ground, mm. but it is not the case in in real life, right? So some are like you know a little bit behind the batch and then and everything, mm. and then because of um, that, some startups don't get everything out of this accelerator program, and then basically they might be saying, "Oh, this is like bad accelerator program," and then everything. So it's just like you know. Not because this startup is bad, but uh, like you know, not uh, it's just because they're not ready. Yet. Yeah, they're not ready. Exactly. There's a bit of a mismatch, isn't it? They're not primed to optimize that accelerator program. So what you're talking about is accelerators in Asia who want access to these 
outsized returns in emerging markets, but maybe it's beyond their risk profile, or maybe they just want that the diamonds refined, a little bit polished before they come to their accelerators. Would that be people who you would like you would take a startup from a Bangladesh or Pakistan, for example, into Singapore or Hong Kong and work with an accelerator there? That would be an ideal situation for you. Exactly. Uh, so uh, we we talked about couple uh, in Singapore and then also Hong Kong because we haven't signed like anything in written. I don't think we we can reveal the name, but they are like very excellent accelerators and then we sit there. So uh, for startups, it, it would be um, like you know first a uh, small step of like you know the big step, right? If you if like everyone in in like the startup world want to be like you know in one Y Combinator or Techstars, like you know, portfolio company, right? Mm. And that actually helps them to further fundraising and then they have access to this all these great mentors and then everything. So um we just like you know help you to reach there. Yeah. Fantastic. Well all the best. I hope it goes well. And what is the best way for people to contact you? Are you good with LinkedIn for people to reach out to you and Contact LinkedIn, you Facebook, uh, even Instagram, and Instagram. then uh, uh, we also have uh, our uh, hot mail. So, like, you can send send us an email as well. Yeah. Okay. Tengo and Zhang Wei, thank you so much for sharing your project with us. And I suppose if anybody is interested from the accelerator side all the way to the startups as well, if they fancy a trip to the Gobi Desert, right? Yeah. By the time this goes out, it's still an opportunity, but I'm sure this is going to be an ongoing thing as well. If you miss the cut, then check it out anyway, because there'll be another one, I'm sure. And there'll be other opportunities to get on board. Sounds exciting. Um, come back on as well and share an update with okay. us. Yeah. yeah. And like, just to, I think it would be really good, especially here in Singapore. There's a lot of people interested in these markets, don't have the information. This is where we started, right? Mm. Don't have the information, maybe the mm. education and the time to access these markets. So it'd be good to learn a little bit more about the markets you're in, the kind of startups you work with as you develop more case studies. So please come back and share those and bring some of your startups here as well. It'd be fantastic to, we want to know what's going on in those markets as well. So Urbis Ventures, Stengel and Zheng Wei, thank you so much today. Thanks so much. That was Pitch Deck Asia, powered by Pitch Media Asia. My name's Graham Brown. Pitch Deck Asia is a platform to give startups in Asia a voice. We give them a show to help them tell their story. And if you love these startup stories and like hearing more about the journeys of the founders, go and check out our SoundCloud channel, which is available at pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. That's pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. Head along to the channel, subscribe, follow us. And feel free to leave a comment or a rating on our channel as well. We'd love to hear your feedback.